Big Finish present Doctor Who Short Trips The Horror at Bletchington Station by Chris Wing Read by Stephen Critchlow The inn next to the railway bridge was being heavily battered by the storm. The pounding torrential rain was joined by the howling gale force wind to perfectly drown out the inharmonious sound of a space-time machine materializing nearby. Inside the inn, the patrons seemed barely interested in being there. The storm that whipped up from almost nowhere was the topic of conversation along with notes of concern about anyone leaving for home. So it was a matter of surprise when the front doors burst open and a pair of strangers dashed into the bar. The doctor's cries of consternation at being caught in a storm and Dodo's yelps at being drenched soon abated as the door closed behind them and the doctor lowered his frock coat, which he had fruitlessly held above both their heads. The pair stepped to the bar observing the wary eyes upon them. Nosy bunch, aren't they? Dodo muttered almost too audibly. The doctor seemed distracted for a moment, eyes moving as if he was trying to make sense of a feeling or something he'd heard. He quickly snapped out of it, his eyes darting from the drinkers, of which there were only a handful, and back to the bar. Yes, yes, my dear, the doctor hushed her subtly. Before he could even consider tapping on the service bell, the landlord appeared from a door behind the bar itself. My word, he cried, moving to face the pair directly. What a terrible time for you to have arrived. Not that we don't appreciate your patronage, of course. I simply mean for yourselves to have got caught up in this awful weather. He looked them up and down. I hope you haven't travelled far. Dodo snorted conspiratorially but the doctor interjected abruptly. I know, sir, we have not travelled too far. Our transport is outside, and we are hoping to find board and lodgings for this evening. The landlord was only too happy to oblige. Of course, of course. Uh, we are uh, relatively booked up, as you can imagine from this shock of weather, not to mention the works going on across the bridge, but I am confident we have a couple of rooms for you uh, and your uh, granddaughter. The doctor improvised without any hesitation. Of course, sir. Any supper requirements? Yes, indeed, the doctor beamed. That would be delightful. Most satisfactory indeed. <laughs> the landlord led them to a table in another room, evidently where people came to eat their meals away from the onlookers in the bar area. I'm sure we could arrange something, the landlord smiled back as if taken with the doctor, his cheeriness seemingly to overcompensate for the terrible weather outside as it even now continued its bombardment. Oh, and a newspaper, if one is available. The doctor beamed graciously as he and Dodo sat, placing their dripping coats to one side. Of course, the landlord replied and disappeared, returning briefly with one in hand. The three agreed upon choices of meals, and the landlord left them to their own company. Dodo watched the doctor as he shook the paper open and observed the date. When are we? She asked chirpily. I guessed England by the landlord's accent. But the dress of the locals didn't look modern. Modern by whose standards? Hmm? The doctor responded shortly. 
making Dodo raise an eyebrow. She decided not to make comment. Well, for my time, I suppose. The doctor looked at her almost as if suspiciously. No, he said, this time with less edge, exhaling loudly. It's some time before that. Look. He put the paper in front of her so she could see the date. I'd say, she exclaimed, almost a hundred years out. Quite so, the doctor replied, giving a smile that didn't quite convince as he took the paper back. Dodo observed him as he did so. Something was wrong. He didn't seem so with it now. It had been too long ago that Stephen had parted company with them. But the recent adventures since then were, well, fine. And it couldn't be their recent dash through the rain. They were both damp around the edges, but their jackets had taken the brunt of the drenching. Dodo accepted that she couldn't figure it out. Reading a paper wasn't a usual thing for him. He'd normally be sniffing something out by now, or they'd already be in trouble, but he definitely seemed perturbed. Slight twitches across his brow as he turned a page. The fact that he wasn't being particularly vocal, not even a hmm, as he read. There was definitely something going on with him. Dodo was about to pursue it further when the landlord came to their table with two plates. Here we go, he said cheerily, placing the food down appropriately. Is there anything else I can get for you? As both politely declined further service, Dodo spoke. Did you say there were others staying here? she asked. The smile on the landlord's face faltered, as he made an almost deliberate show of glancing over his shoulder before he leant in and spoke more quietly. It's them navvies, see. He caught Dodo's look before he carried on. You know, the plate layers, laying the track down for the new railway. What about them, hmm? The doctor frowned. Well, uh, usually in here, you know, after hours, emptying the barrels. I'm more than happy about that. This new line is doing wonders for business at the moment. We were just getting by with the locals, see, but now, well, now I could even start thinking about... My dear fellow, the doctor appeared to be struggling to be polite. Dodo almost frowned. This was tetchy, even by the doctor's standards. What is it about the plate layers, hmm? The landlord eyed the doctor, as if sizing up whether to pass on gossip to strangers. Well, he said finally, his tone hushing lower still, they have them huts, plate layers huts. They normally stop in them. No good for this weather, mine. They'd come here after a day's toil, drink their weight in ale and drag themselves back to their huts on the side of the railway track, see? Not far from where they're building that new station, but... Yesterday night, they all decided to rent rooms upstairs. All of them. He paused as if to observe the surprise on the Doctor and Dodo's faces. When he didn't quite get the response he was apparently hoping for, he offered more. I reckon something queer is going on down by them works. They're not as cheery and rowdy as before. I heard some drunken talk of some beast would you believe? Almost theatrically, he let his musing sink in for effect. Dodo was enwrapped. The doctor, looking at the landlord abruptly, broke the faux tension. 
waving a hand in dismissal. Yes, well, it's uh, probably some difficulty with the route. Uh, an unexpected Roman villa or some such, I suspect. He turned his attention back to the paper. Be that as it may, the landlord replied. But I've never seen such strapping men look as bothered by no broken old pots. And leaving the mystery with them, he moved back out into the barn. Dodo briefly caught the doctor's eye. He was looking unimpressed with the conversation. In fact, she'd go so far as to think he was feigning disinterest. Why? She tucked into her meal. Hey, up, doctor, she said. If you're not feeling straight, you don't want to miss a meal. The doctor hmmed at her. It might even be interesting to visit the plate layers tomorrow. Dodo proffered to see what the doctor said in return. You know, if the weather's better. The doctor frowned at her. He was quiet for a moment as if he considered saying nothing, but eventually... I really don't think that that is a good idea. You do not want to be getting involved in whatever is going on down there. What, you mean an old mosaic? Dodo teased. The doctor was not impressed. Yes, quite so. He paused before announcing. And we shall be leaving first thing in the morning. His tone was resolute, and even as Dodo's mouth hung open to protest, he continued, No good can come of going across to that station. I'm sure it's all very dull and beneath our interest. And with that, the doctor set about his meal. Dodo looked at him, surprised. This wasn't like him at all. This was the sort of thing the doctor sought out, yet here he was, doing his best to avoid it. Dodo turned from the now seemingly oblivious doctor and crossly considered her meal. Well, if his interest wasn't piqued, hers certainly was. Dodo woke the next morning with the sun peering through gaps in the curtains. She rose and approached the window. The view looked directly out onto the railway track. She could see the workers as the line approached and passed the inn. Further back was what she thought to be the station. The outline of the foundations were there and the building material sat around it in large piles. The bright day was a direct contrast to the terrible dark of the night before. And Dodo quickly hoped that the doctor had yet to rise. She was determined to investigate. Reaching the bar area downstairs, Dodo bumped into the landlord, who was cleaning a glass with a cloth. Ah, morning, young miss. Did you sleep well? He asked, cheery as ever. Yes, thanks, Dodo replied. Have you seen the doctor this morning? The landlord looked up quizzically. Can't say as I has. Will you be off today? Or maybe you'll be taking a stroll into the village. Or maybe in a town. Old Donkey Styles comes by with his cart, see? Pulled by a donkey, you understand, and takes people off in a town. He's not happy about this new station either. He's worried that... Oh, I'm not sure, I'm afraid. Dodo interrupted him as deftly as she could. The doctor is keen to leave, but I wanted to explore. Well, the landlord said, putting on a jovial conspiratorial tone. I'd get a wiggle on then. If he's not about just yet, you best trot on over to where you wants to go. He's not likely to leave you, is he? Dodo suddenly felt a pang as Stephen came to mind. He wouldn't, would he? She shot the landlord a winning smile. <laughs> of course not, she replied. 
Will you let him know I'll be back very soon? That I will. The landlord consented as Dodo made for the front door. In order to get to the railway track, Dodo had to walk up the roadside as it crested a bridge, under which was the track itself. The other side of the bridge was a woodland pathway. She descended this pathway until it opened out onto the works area. She then deftly lifted herself over the wooden fencing and found herself walking along the bed that had yet to have track lane, looking at the plate layers. They worked industriously, but something wasn't quite right. They were intent on their tasks, almost urgent, unspeaking, while one of them kept looking around them, as if keeping watch. Dodo was soon spotted. Hey, lass, called one of the workers. You're not meant to be down here. I know, she responded jovially. And I left my hard hat behind. As the other workers stopped, she was amused that none of them knew what she was talking about. I was just bored and fancied having a chat, Dodo continued. I'm a curious type, you see. Curious gets trouble, said a second plate layer, not meeting her gaze when he spoke. There were five of them in all, and now they'd all stopped to catch a glimpse of her. There were young men, none over twenty-five, she guessed. One or two were probably even her age. Whilst the first who spoke to her sounded northern, the second spoke with an Irish lilt. Yes, she replied with a smile. It gets that way from time to time. She paused before continuing, her gaze shifting past the men to the partially built station behind them. So who works on that then? Since you're all laying the track? A shiftiness fell upon the workers. It seemed the wrong question to have asked. You don't want to be bothering with that, the Irishman told her firmly. The builders have just, uh, taken a break. Bound sure to return come Monday. The younger lad snorted. No more, Jay, the Irishman started. Soon it's left, soon it's mended. Dodo's interest rested on Jay. He was slighter and younger than the other four and clearly more spooked. Is this about the beast? She said deliberately. Surprise was the best way to get a genuine response. Jay reacted by looking her right in the eyes. The others certainly didn't appreciate the mention either and shifted uncomfortably. And what would you be knowing about that then? The Irishman clearly didn't want to be drawn into it. There's no such thing to be worrying ourselves about. She's not from round here either, Jim said the northerner. She doesn't know anything. Jim took a look at his co-workers and then back at Dodo, like he was deciding whether to trust her or not, or even whether to admit that he was just as spooked as the others. All we want to do is get a move on and finish the job, Jim stressed to her finally. We've all got families back home, par Jay, of course. This helped the mood a little. Even Jay smiled, albeit hesitantly. We need the money so we can't just up and leave, not like those builders. Local sort they were. We'll not be seeing them again, that's for sure. Don't you reckon, Henry? Henry the Northerner shook his head. But they moved something, Jay interjected, as though he was trying hard not to say anything. The beast. It tried to kill them. I saw it. We don't know what you saw, Jim turned to him. Yeah, but you know what it did to the huts? You heard it? Dodo was fascinated. She didn't want to interrupt what had clearly been brewing up between them. Jim suddenly had nothing to say. It was clear he wanted to admonish the lad, but had no real grounds to do so. 
Jay quickly stepped past the Irishman and stopped before Dodo. Wanders around the track, at night, and hides in the wood or somewhere during the day. He doesn't like us here. It's... it's like a bear. And we... we disturbed it. There's no bears in England, Henry scolded. Then what was it? was Jay's sharp response. How long until you finished? Dodo asked quickly to diffuse the tension. She looked back the way she came and beyond, passing under the bridge. It was clear that they had a long way to go. Months, Henry told her. But it should only be a week after next that we're past the bridge. Dodo held his gaze for a moment. She could see it in his eyes. He knew. He knew. She could see the conflict in his eyes, though. It was clear they were all desperate to leave, but their desperation to provide for their families kept them there. Stopping overnight at the inn was just holding their resolve. But whatever the beast was, it was certainly testing that. So, what are we going to do about it? Dodo asked. You, Jim stepped in, aren't going to do anything about it. We're going to do the job and then be far enough down the line to not bother it. Do you really think that? Dodo asked him. Don't you think we should find out what's going on? A brief moment of quiet fell across the workers as they looked at each other again. Then something moved in the woods. All six of them turned abruptly in the direction of a sound like splitting wind. Dodo looked at Jay with Henry and the rest looking at each other. Come on, he said, resolutely hefting up a shovel. We'll see if it's a beast once and for all. The doctor stepped back from the console. He had been working industriously for hours, making calculations and preparations. He was torn over what to do and, despite putting so much effort into the task at hand, was still undecided. He gazed up, briefly focusing on the now unmoving central column of the console, the glass providing him with his own reflection. His first instinct was to dematerialize and leave. Anything that overruled his predominant urge to explore was a noteworthy instinct to pay attention to. Regardless, his travels recently had changed him. All these humans he'd met who had helped him become the person he was now. But, stood at his console, he was totally undecided over his next course of action. He knew what he should do. Was it worth the risk? If it were just he and Susan, he would have just gone. He would have left this place. But it wasn't just him and Susan. It was Barbara and Ian. It was Vicky and Stephen. It was Sarah and Katerina. And now it was Dodo. All these limited, short-sighted, wonderful, insightful humans. People who had made a difference to his outlook. The doctor was not happy about it. He rumphed audibly at the lever for the door. He was not happy, but he had made his decision. He turned from the central column. His hand hovered over the dematerialization switch. Dodo had been through these woods already, but not in the direction they were now taking off the path that led them to the bridge. 
She suddenly wondered what she was doing, tracking down a beast in a dense wood, with no real idea what they were going to do with it once they found it. Was she like this before? Would the dodo who had lived quite happily before finding the TARDIS, the Doctor, have done this? Had her time with him changed her? She'd always been a go-getter, but had her adventuring exacerbated this? Thrill-seeking for the sake of it. As a foil for something else. A distraction. She shook the reverie from her mind. None of them had anything in the form of a convincing weapon. Were they thinking of using strength in numbers? Dodo wasn't shy of getting involved, but she couldn't see herself wrestling with bears. You okay? Jay asked her quietly, almost a whisper. Dodo managed a nod and Jay smiled tentatively. Me neither. Ah, Doctor, what'll it be? The landlord felt genuinely pleased to see him as the old man shuffled into the bar. Been out for a stroll? Bit of soul-searching? <laughs> the doctor eyed him momentarily, almost as if caught out. Yes, yes, sir. Something along those lines, he replied. Uh, my good man, have you seen my younger granddaughter? I'm afraid I have misplaced her. Not an uncommon occurrence, I'm sorry to say. Ah, well, she had been looking for you this morning the landlord replied, but she went off to explore. Went off? The doctor balked. A degree of urgency entered his tone. Where to, may I inquire? Do you know? Well, the landlord continued, not seeing any cause for concern. I reckon she's gone off to see the navvies. With a worried look, the doctor simply turned and left. The creature exploded from the undergrowth, scattering the party and sending one of the plate layers through the air with a perishing cry. Dodo didn't know which one it had been, but now she could only see Jay. The terror in his eyes as he turned to her was almost enough to freeze Dodo to the spot. He shot past Dodo, and it was only when he grabbed her hand that she realised he wasn't leaving her behind. They ran back the way they came, hearing the cries of the other workers and the roar of the creature. Did you see it? Jay cried, not daring to look her way as they fled. Did you see it? Dodo had caught a glimpse, but was moving too fast to utter a reply. Something dark and huge. All she could think of was bear, but she knew that it couldn't be one. Whatever it was, it was something else. Something worse. Then, suddenly, Jay stopped on his tracks. Dodo made an effort not to crash into him. Their hearts pounded as they tried to recover their breath. Can't hear anything, Jay panted, his hands still locked in Dodo's. Dodo tried to listen. Jay was right. What about your friends? She whispered. Jay swallowed. What if the beast is just there? He said, staring into the thickness of the woods. What if it's waiting for us to move? It was then that a large mass burst through the darkness. Doctor! Dodo's voice was cracked from her burning lungs, but she embraced the doctor hard. My dear, what were you thinking? The doctor scolded. We are all in terrible danger. There's a creature out here, Dodo told him, regaining her breath. It's huge! I think it's got my friends, Jay uttered. The doctor's attention sharply turned to the young man. And you should know better, letting Dodo join you. What should we do? Jay asked, gazing at his feet. The doctor sighed audibly at him. 
You, he gestured with a wave, can go back to the inn where it is safe. Take Dodo. Hopefully your friends will have made it back there too. I have matters to attend. With this, the doctor made his way towards the path which led to the railway track. Jay and Dodo stood there, looking at each other in surprise, before Jay turned towards the bridge. Let's go, he said, as if finally happy to be given direction. Dodo made to follow him, but quickly and quietly skipped back up the path after the doctor. Jay was so intent on going back that he probably wouldn't notice soon enough to stop her. It wasn't long before the doctor saw her stepping up behind him. Jojo, he said with an exhausted sigh. They'd stopped outside the skeletal shape of the unbuilt station. Would it be too much to ask that just for once you do as I ask? Hmm? I want to know what's going on, doctor, she told him plainly. The doctor looked at her for a second. Yes, sir, I'm sure you would. At that, he turned and stepped from the half-built track observing the remnants of a plate-layer's hut, the weather-beaten planks that made up the walls, all but splintered to pieces. Dodo clambered after him. Are you going to keep me in the dark, then? she chided. After all we've been through. The doctor did not stop, even as they reached the end of the site. My dear, there are some things that are not for sharing. This is one of those things. Now, look here. They had cautiously moved to the back of the building. But where the beginnings of a wall had started to be built, there was now a large, inclining hole. Steep, but passable, the doctor judged. Yes, quite passable. Come along, then, if you're coming. Toto followed without protest. The doctor was acting differently still. Normally, Dodo could sense a degree of wonder from him, even when they're in terrible danger. It was as if he thoroughly enjoyed the adventure, the surprise of what was going to happen next. Now, however, he looked resolute, like he knew exactly where he was and what was going to happen, and what he had to do. Dodo didn't like it. She wanted to speak up, say something, even if it was just to ask what was going on. Something typically her, but she bit her tongue. It wasn't even the fear of alerting the creature to their presence. It was more that she had already pressed the doctor, and he resolutely did not want to discuss it. The tunnel was large enough for them to walk down without catching their heads on the ceiling, but it was narrow enough that they had to walk almost single file. It didn't feel like a burrow or how she imagined an underground dwelling for an animal to be. In fact, Dodo thought that she could see a light up ahead. As they turned the corner, a dim light became evident. Yes, the doctor mused quietly. It is as I'd feared. He reached into his coat pocket and pulled out a long torch. Take this, my dear, and point it over there. Dodo did so, illuminating the scene before them. The tunnel had opened up into a high-ceilinged cave of sorts. The dim light she now complimented coming from some sort of device. The doctor hurried over to it. Dodo squinted to take a better look, although not daring to move the beam from where the doctor had shown her. It appeared to be some sort of capsule, the size of a large person. It gleamed silver 
and appeared to be embedded into the earthy wall beyond. Keeping close, she watched as the doctor rested his hand on the exposed part, gave a little push, and the panel opened up before them. A throbbing hum came from the revealed interior. The doctor hmmed. Yes, yes, it's quite damaged. Quite damaged indeed. We mustn't stay here too long. Underneath the panel, there was a display along with buttons and a few small levers. It looked naggingly familiar to Dodo, but she wasn't sure why. She prepared to speak again, but the doctor was so deep in thought that she decided to wait. He began pressing buttons with an obvious familiarity with the technology. Dodo flinched suddenly as a pain flashed across her forehead. Doctor, she muttered. I'm sorry, my dear. The doctor didn't look up from the panel. The uh, temporal energies will be upsetting your own senses. I'm almost there, almost there. A thunderous roar from further up the tunnel made Dodo scream and spin around. Light! The doctor cried. Dodo forced herself to shine the torch back on the panel. It's coming! She cried. Just a few more corrections. The doctor worked frantically. Dodo saw the shadow of the creature lumber into view, the poor light only making its appearance more terrifying. There was nowhere to go. The cave was relatively small, and the creature seemed hesitant, almost as if wary of the machine. But that didn't stop it edging towards them. It was huge. At least as tall as a bear. Dodo could see the light from the torch reflect in its obsidian black eyes, matted fur all over its hulking body. The beast's long, white claws reflected the light. Doctor! He didn't respond. His tapping at the controls couldn't be any faster. The creature was now so close that Dodo prepared for the worst. From this distance, she could almost make out its face. Its long, pink snout moving around as if to sense them. Dodo cringed closer into the doctor. And the doctor issued, Now! Here, Dodo! The doctor pulled them both to one side. Dodo stumbled and shone the torch at the beast as a second, greener light issued from the capsule directly at the creature itself. The beast roared with shock and stopped its progress. Dodo watched, dumbfounded, as the beast began to shriek rapidly, the roar from its throat minimizing to a desultory squeak. Dodo tried to follow the new form as it burrowed expertly away to safety. The doctor patted Dodo warmly on the shoulder. Talpa, Europia, ha! He chuckled. What? Dodo was incredulous. The European mole, my dear. The one with perhaps an overinflated sense of self, you could say? <laughs> what is going on, doctor? Just a few more things, he said. His brief return to joviality was gone. He approached the panel once more and pressed a few more buttons. The display filled with intricate symbols, circles which reminded of clock gearing, which then systematically began to disappear. Let's make haste. The doctor took Dodo's arm and set off at a hurried speed. Moving through the woods, Dodo couldn't contain herself any longer. She stopped still and the doctor's face darkened as he faced her. Doctor, please tell me what just happened. There's no time, no time at all. I shall explain, but let's keep a move on. Come on. 
She took his arm once more and they continued. The capsule was, sir, uh, is an old unmanned time capsule. It was used once for surveying the vortex, much like your scientists sending machines out into your solar system, or even the surveyors on this very railway. Yes, quite so. These capsules would venture into the unknown, relaying information for an expanding civilization. By now they reached the road and the TARDIS was finally in view. But what has that got to do with the creature, the, the mole? Many of the capsules never returned, the doctor continued. Damaged or destroyed, no one knew. This was evidently damaged by the builders when putting in the foundations of the station. With that, and old age, it was emitting powerful temporal energies. As part of a defence mechanism, it appears to have hyper-evolved the nearest life-form to protect it. Beast, indeed. But you weren't attacked by it, Dodo replied. She wondered suddenly about the plate layers. Yes, quite. The doctor took a deep breath. Well, I set a self-repair programme going, and then started a timer to send it back through the vortex. It wouldn't allow me to set two specific coordinates, but it will get back to its owner at some time. It was this statement that the doctor's urgency seemed spurred on anew. Now, let's be leaving, child. Can we go back to the inn and check on Jay? Dodo asked as they reached the TARDIS. The doctor opened the door and began ushering her in. I'm afraid not, no. Time is of the essence. Dodo protested. Of the essence, I say, the doctor thundered. He was about to pull the doors closed when, from where they had just hurried down from, an ethereal trumpeting began to sound. Although it was a still day, the trees of the woods began to sway from some strong winds. The doctor's face was grave. Almost too close this time. He disappeared inside the police box. The door snapped shut, and the TARDIS's own ethereal sounds echoed through the night as it disappeared. Whoa!